this is the full episode of Shocking, There's Blood on the Boardwalk, written by Aaron Robbins. This episode is intended for daring ears nine and older. On a scale where one is not scary at all, the kids' scare score for this episode is a five out of ten. Welcome to Mr. Eerie's Mystery Series. My name is Edward Eerie, Chief Uncover Near at Mr. Eerie's Disturbing Detective Agency. If you're experiencing something odd or unusual, give my agency a ring and leave a message on the machine. What you are about to hear is from the agency's archive of open-ended outcomes and is intended to help you understand what not to do should you ever need our services. Internally, we call these messages the kids who never called back, a phrase you'll become familiar with should you ever be under our employ. Please note, while my answering machine alters the age and tone of the caller's voice, the content of the message remains undisturbed. Direct your browsing apparatus to the address mrerysmysteryseries.com for more information about the agency and this show. And now, another disturbing message left on my machine. Thank you for calling Mr. Erie's Disturbing Detective Agency. Please leave a message with a detailed account of your odd or unusual occurrence. If you are currently inside a beehive, press 9 to reach the Department of Apparitions and Apiculture. Be sure to provide a communications location so further information can reach you free of eaves dropping ears. Now, prepare yourself for the beep waits for no one. Hello? Could you pick up, please? Mr. Cleary, you gotta come down here and help me. We're in trouble. I mean, I'm in trouble. I picked up this phone. I didn't even dial a number. So that means you have to help me, right? Look, I don't know where to start, but here's the situation. Yesterday, yeah, that's a good place to start. You know the Starlight Boardwalk? It's seen better days for sure, but the Star Coaster Haunted Highway and bumper cars? They're all still here. Well, yesterday, my friends, Hudson, Brent, and Frankie Z, they were all right here at the Starlight. Of course they didn't invite me. I get the feeling I'm a third-wheel friend. I guess it's a fourth-wheel friend in this case. HBZ have been friends forever, since like first grade. Me, I just moved here last year. The high school I'll go to next year has a good track team, and that's where my parents want me to go. Anyway, my so-called friends left me out yet again. They came down to the boardwalk yesterday to play games. And by play, I mean more than likely cheat at the midway games. You know the basketball one? The one where the hoop is too small? With some incredible luck. HUD, Brent, and Z all won pro basketball jerseys. So yeah, of course, they wore them to school today. Nothing like feeling left out when your friends are decked out in yellow, blue, and red jerseys and you're wearing a white tank top that says, no turtles, just hurdles, track meet. I have a lot of track meet participation tank tops. 
none of them fit the eighth grade definition of cool. It went down like this. Before school, I was waiting for HBZ at our usual meetup spot, a round concrete bench that wraps around a tree. Of course, they were late. I don't think they intended to meet me at the bench. I think they just happened to be walking that direction and I spotted them. Spotting them. How could you miss them? Hudson was wearing a yellow jersey with yellow sweatbands to match. Brent had on a blue jersey and was wearing a tangle of gold chains around his neck. Gold chains? In eighth grade? Whatever. Frankie Z's jersey was red and he was wearing long, droopy red sweatshorts to match. One thing was for sure. They had practiced this little strut and walk thing they were doing last night. Probably in Brent's backyard. While I was at track practice, they were planning this big entrance that I was now, not a part of, but a witness to. Did they look cool in their jerseys? I don't know. I think so. I think everyone else thought so too. Sup, guys, I said when they were close enough. They stopped. What up, madam? Hudson said. For the record, Mr. Cleary, my name is Adam, not madam. But eighth grade is nothing if not a place to have your name beat up a little. What's with the jerseys? I asked. Brent is an unstoppable b-ball machine, said Frankie Z, trying to sound cool. True to word, said Brent. We trashed those hoops. Just call us. The Wrecking Crew. That's right, the red, yellow, and blue Wrecking Crew, said Hudson. HB and Z laughed. Then they began to congratulate each other. Guy praise in the eighth grade is comprised of bumping rituals, soft punching routines, and repeating the phrase, for real, though, until you forget what the real thing was. Cool, I said. The red, yellow, and blue wrecking crew is steppin', straight steppin'. I'm not sure if straight stepping is an accepted affirmation, but it seemed to pass the eighth grade test. HBZ continued their walk towards homeroom. They were laughing and talking about the previous day's exploits at the boardwalk. When Hudson said, yeah, we should all go back tonight. Take the wrecking crew to something else on the boardwalk. Totes, I said, including myself and the wrecking crew. Before we entered Miss Wheeler's class, we agreed to meet just outside Starlight Boardwalk at 10. 10? That was going to be late for me. And I was pretty sure the Starlight closed at like 8 or 9 on weekdays. Why did we have to go so late? I didn't ask. When HBZ says 10, you meet them at 10. You don't complain that it might be past your bedtime. Still, I'd have to sneak out, not wanting to miss another 8th grade bonding activity. I went to bed at 9.30 and was out my window 15 minutes later. Starlight Boardwalk is at the edge of town. It's a 15-minute drive by car. You can walk it in the same amount of time, if you cut through the park and across the river, which is just what I did. I got there just before 10 and wasn't surprised to find Hudson and company running late. The starlight was closed, gates shut. There was no one around. I knew kids hopped the fence by the stairs, but I'd never done it. I looked at the boardwalk. It was pretty, old but pretty. It had a sort of seaside neatness to it, charming maybe. Thousands of lights danced around the boardwalk. They glowed in the sheets of fog that wandered through the wood supports of the rides. The area music and ride sounds were turned off at night. All I could hear was the deep water below the boardwalk planks. Maybe I'm at the wrong entrance, I thought. 
Just then, I felt a sharp thwap on the back of my head. What? Are you supposed to be a cat burglar? A voice said. I turned around. It was HBZ, and they were making fun of my outfit. Black pants. Black zip-up rain jacket. They were all still wearing their yellow, red, and blue jerseys. I didn't want to stick out, but I didn't want to be left out either. Besides, the weather said it might rain, and I didn't want to return home in wet clothes. I suggest we stop by the basketball game so I could snag a jersey. Maybe green. I guess there's nothing cooler than trespassing onto a boardwalk while looking like the cast of a kid's TV show. I laughed a little. Nah, said Hudson. I got something else we can do. We walked past the Star Coaster, the haunted highway ride, and a half dozen closed food stalls. Was I hungry? I thought so. But I didn't think we were here to break into a cotton candy cart. Nor did I think HBZ would know how to work one, even if we did. Just past the clown-themed water gun bullseye game, we stopped. Drivers get ready, Hudson said in his best announcer voice, which honestly was pretty bad. Brent and Frankie liked it and added follow-up comments such as, oh yeah, pedal to the metal, and it's clobberin' time. The Fantastic Four reference was made by Frankie Z, and there were four of us, all standing in front of the Starlight's bumper cars. The ride was officially called Starlight's Silver Smash-Up. Below the Silver Smash-Up sign, a large notice was posted. You guys, it's closed, I said. Look at that. Adam Adam is scared, thinks he'll get a boo-boo. No, I said. I just don't think the cars will work. Only one way to find out, yelled Brent running through the entrance. The rest of the wrecking crew, me included, followed. We ran through the line turnstiles toward the loading area. I noticed several panels of the bumper car retaining wall were missing, and all the cars were in an organized line instead of all spread out. Pretty sure they're working on the ride, I said. I doubt there's power running to it. Pick your car, said Hudson as he positioned himself behind the ride operator's console. Pick a car? All the cars looked the same. Jet black with silver accents and a padded wheel. The only differences were the numbers. We scampered across the track and loaded ourselves into bumper cars. Okay, said Hudson, get ready. Three, two, one. Here it goes. He flipped a lever on the side of the console and then pressed a large button near the top. Absolutely nothing happened. Come on, said Hudson as he punched and pressed every button on the console. Dude, I said, I don't think they work. Hudson looked at me. Then he looked past me. He was looking at the missing panels in the retaining wall. You could see a light go on in his head. It wasn't a bright light, but still, he'd had an idea. Come on, everyone, said Hudson, running from behind the console to an empty car. Give me a hand. I hung back in my car, pulling on the seatbelt as if it were stuck. Brent and Frankie jumped right out of theirs and ran over to help Hudson, who'd already started pushing an empty car. Come on, Adam, they yelled. Wrecking crew, unite. Wow, I thought. Was I officially part of their crew? I hopped onto the track and ran over to the group. Lift and push, said Hudson. And we did. We all did. We pushed the empty bumper car forward off the track. I didn't know where we were headed. Luckily, I wasn't steering. Hudson was doing most of the work. We pushed, and he positioned the car in the direction it needed to go. A few minutes later, we stopped. The ground was wet. It had also become wood. We were out on the boardwalk. It's raining, I said. 
Yeah, no duh, detective, said Frankie. Hudson lined up the car, bumping it with his body to make slight adjustments to its angle. What's the plan? I asked. Hudson looked at us. His eyes were dark, yet shimmering. I call it the plunge, said Hudson. All right, guys, on three. Even though it was raining, I felt a sudden sense of eerie warm. Maybe it was my conscience, maybe my gut. I didn't want to push. I kind of wanted to go home, but it was too late. Hudson started counting down. Three, two, one, push. The wrecking crew leaned into the car with all their might. I held back a little. Maybe I held back a lot. They didn't notice, because we were all too focused on what happened next. The bumper car whined as we pushed it over the edge. It sailed off the boardwalk and plunged into the water below. I heard the splash and then a clap of thunder and lightning filled the sky. Hud, Brent, and Z started cheering. Why did we do that? I yelled. We made a new ride, said Hudson. Bumper subs, said Frankie. They all laughed while peering over the boardwalk's edge at the water below. I stood there in shock. What had I just done? Just then, the backs of HBZ's jerseys were cast in bright light. Not lightning. Flashlights, I thought. It was the cops or security. Either way, we are hosed, I thought. Dude, you guys, I said. Hudson looked up and turned toward me. It was all right there on his face. His eyes were stunned. It was the cops. I was sure of it. And I was sure the wrecking crew was headed to jail. I turned around, slowly, with hands in the air. And what I saw sent a sudden wave of fear over me. Bumper cars, a line of them, out on the boardwalk, headlights on, headlights that looked angry. I didn't even know bumper cars had working headlights. Bits of electricity sparked from under the cars. I flinched when another hit of lightning illuminated the sky. Frankie Z was the first to run. He darted left toward the opposite end of the boardwalk. One of the bumper cars accelerated after him. But even in his red jersey, Frankie wasn't fast. Definitely not track team material. The bumper car caught him with ease. It knocked into him from behind. His legs flew up into the air as he fell into the bumper car's seat. Brent was the next to run. He took off in the other direction, but a few feet in, his feet slipped. Another car raced off the line towards him. Brent, get up, I said. He tried, but the blue fabric of his jersey must have been caught on something. He flailed about trying to free himself. Help, he screamed. There was no way I could. The bumper car was almost on top of him. Sure enough, a split second later, it ran right over the top of him. Brent yelped like a dog whose tail was accidentally stepped on. The car backed up, snagging Brent's jersey to something on its base. It then sped off, dragging him across the wooden planks by his jersey. At that moment, Hudson took off running down the boardwalk towards where we came in. I followed a second later. I could hear the whining of electric engines behind us. We weren't going to be able to outrun them. There, I said, pointing at the haunted highway ride. We can hide in there. Hudson changed his direction, now sprinting for the entrance of the haunted ride. Just as we got there, a bumper car burst out from the ride's exit. It flew through the air and smashed into Hudson. He fell over and the car skidded to a stop. I didn't look to see what happened. I jumped over Brent and dashed toward the haunted highway's control booth. 
I leapt up the stairs, swung open the doors, and slammed it behind me. I crawled under the console and hoped I didn't hear engines. At that time, I couldn't hear anything. My heart was racing so fast I couldn't hear the thunder, let alone the engines of amusement cars. So I just remained silent and hidden. A few minutes later, maybe five or ten, I slowly and without making a sound pushed myself up to look out the ride operator's window. My heart was pounding with anticipation. Would the bumper cars be right outside, waiting to do to me whatever they'd done to HBZ? The control room window was fogged over. With the tips of my fingers, I rubbed away two tiny dots so I could see out. I pressed my face up close to the glass and hoped I didn't see two headlights on the other side. The coast looked clear. Out on the boardwalk, the rain had stopped. The puddles of water were undisturbed and casting perfect reflections of the boardwalk's lights. No rain. And no bumper cars. I breathed out long and hard. Maybe they're gone, I thought. Or more like hoped. I started thinking about how to get out of here. How to get to a phone. How to get help. The control booth, I thought. Don't they have phones in here so the ride operators can talk to each other? I looked around, and sure enough, there was a beige-colored phone hanging next to a panel of buttons. A note taped beside the phone listed the numbers for the other rides. There at the bottom, number nine, security office. I called it, and it rang, and rang. I was about to hang up when someone answered. Who is this? The voice on the other end said. I knew that voice. It sounded like Hudson. Hud, is that you? The voice took a moment to respond. There was a lot to process. Adam, is that you? Tell me you're alive. Yes, I said. I'm alive. Is everyone okay? Hudson sounded like he was passing on information to the rest of the gang. Yes, we're okay, he said. We were able to disconnect the ride. I don't know what happened. It must have malfunctioned or something. We're heading back to the bumper cars to clean up. Meet us there. Hudson hung up. I took a deep breath. I was so relieved to hear Hudson and the gang were okay. Fresh air blew into the control room when I opened the door. It felt good to get out of that little room. I couldn't imagine being stuck in there for a whole shift. A few minutes later, I was back at the Silver Smash-Up ride. There was wreckage from the bumper cars all over the place. We're going to get in so much trouble, I thought as I surveyed the damage. Twisted strands of wire pulled from within the ride were spilling out onto the boardwalk. They didn't look like live wires, but I'm not an electrician, so I stepped over them carefully. I don't know how HBZ turned off the ride, but it looks like they did so with brute force. I laughed a little. Wrecking crew? They sure earned that title tonight. I climbed over the wires and towards the ride operator's console to look for the gang, but I didn't see anyone. I stepped closer to the booth and felt something soft under my feet. And there they were. Basketball jerseys ripped open like the Incredible Hulk had transformed while wearing them. I called out, Hudson, Brent, Frankie, where are you guys? A voice crackled over the bumper car's PA system. Are you ready to join the wrecking crew? The voice was Hudson's. It was crackly and coming from behind me. When I turned around, it was hard to know what I was looking at. Wires raised up from the middle of the floor like the tentacles of an electrical octopus. Sparks rained down from the ceiling and bits of electricity arced all over the place. Then in the middle of the track, I saw them. Three bumper cars. One red, one yellow, and one blue. It's wrecking time, said the red car. It was Frankie's voice, but he sounded like a defective transformer. All of a sudden, a horrendous electric noise erupted. 
Hudson, Brent, and Frankie accelerated towards me. My track meet instincts kicked in. I sprinted for the edge of the track and jumped the retaining wall like a hurdle. I raced out onto the boardwalk away from the bumper cars. Left or right? Which way should I run? As I was looking around, I saw the spot where we pushed the car over the edge. It gave me an idea. Hudson, Brent, and Frankie broke out of the ride building and barreled towards me. I moved towards the edge of the boardwalk. There was nothing behind me but ocean. Stand your ground, I said to myself. I waited till just the last moment, and then right before my friends ran me over, I leapt into the air. Air ruffled my pants and jacket as the cars raced underneath me. The sound of them bumping along the boardwalk stopped. For a second, there was silence. Then three splashes. I turned around and looked over the edge. Inside three rippling rings of water and below the bubbles and foam, I could see the colors red, yellow, and blue fade into the abyss. There goes the wrecking crew, I said. I ran down the boardwalk and found a phone booth. I picked up the receiver to check for a dial tone, but there wasn't one. Instead, there was a ringing coming from the handset, like I'd already dialed a number. This machine picked up, and I'm glad it did. Do you know what's going on, Mr. Cleary? Can you help me? Because right after HBZ went over the edge, the other rides, well, they sort of... Unfortunately, that's the end of this message, and it's an excellent example of what not to do when calling Mr. Eerie's disturbing detective agency. Let's take this call as a learning opportunity for us all. If you have a copy of Mr. Eerie's Fathomable Field Guide, please turn to page 31 and find the notes section. First, and of least importance, my name is Mr. Eerie, not Mr. Cleary. It's not required that callers use my name correctly when leaving a message, but taking into account spectral switchboards, mimic machines, and dial tomes, it's not a bad idea to make sure you get my name right. There are a number of agencies in the business, and I certainly wouldn't want to take a call intended for Cleary Ann, owner of Misadventures Agency of the Unexplained. Second, don't wear basketball jerseys while not playing basketball. Some listeners may think this fashion advice, but I assure you, untucked jerseys have been the cause of more misfortune than we have time to talk about. Third, choose friends who make more things than they break things. Lastly, there are in fact seven starlight boardwalks and all of them have silver smash-up bumper cars. Three of these bumper car attractions are currently under the control of the electrical phenom Slump Lars, who calls himself King of the Bumper Cars. Two are under control of Loretta Rumble and the Tumble Gang, and two are perfectly safe for amusement. Seeing as this caller did not specify which boardwalk he was at, we were forced to search for a starlight boardwalk that was within driving distance of a town that held a no-turtles, just hurdles running competition. In this case, we were able to intervene, and things worked out swimmingly. And while that concludes another message from Mr. Eerie's mystery series, it's not the end of our appointment. 
I am pleased to announce that our detective agency is now accepting new recruits. Your first step to becoming an eerie enlistee is to leave a five-star rating of this message or, if you prefer, a written review. If you've enjoyed this message and would like to keep independent detective agencies like ours happy and haunt-free, please do consider leaving a rating or review today. To review our recent filing with the Department of Double Checks or to learn more about this show, please visit Mr. Thank you for listening. We wish you an undisturbing day.